Let's do it. All right, here we are. This is Matt Chatham. This is the Real Thing Patriots podcast. And uh, I know if you're tuning into this show, you want to know what the hell happened. <laughs> and that was really my goal in going out and uh, trying to knock this thing out the next morning and, and really sort of get to the bottom, uh, sort of playing a game of clue here. It, clearly, you know about the super ugly plays. And there's been enough fodder out there from other people talking it through on final ugly uh, lateral play and uh, you know the, the non-use of uh, or not having not knowing the timeout situation before half uh, the missed field goals those kinds of things you're, you're aware of those and we'll get into those as well but I want to go around the edges with everything else because this was a crazy ass game and I wanted to kind of bring you in as if you were you know watching alongside with me uh, you know on a Monday morning a disappointing one as a player you fly black fly back from from Miami, uh, it's a disappointing loss. It sucks when you lose any time. It sucks when you lose there. Packing it up in that you know goofy neon locker room and uh, getting on the plane. You're hot and sweaty and you're pissed off. And you do have to quick bury it, though. And that's kind of what this uh, podcast is really meant to do. Uh, get to the nuts and bolts. Not Take the emotional portion out of it. There's clearly problems. Uh, it was an, uh, an egg laid. Uh, but, again, I want you sort of in the meeting room with me in the uh, film room with me and trying to take the emotional part out of it, talking about the things that are a problem, being able to reference back to other times in the year where that wasn't a problem and similar people could handle them uh, and try to get to the bottom of why it's now not working. But then also touching on a lot of the really good stuff that gets buried by the muck. And that's, I tweeted this out when I was, you know, sort of pushing, pushing this uh, podcast, letting you know when I was going to be out earlier. That was really my big takeaway after I'd watched this whole thing is like, oh, I forgot like these 75 things happen and those 75 things are really good, but you are on the road. And if you do these 10 bad things, well, you spoil the performance. And that really is kind of what it boiled down to for me. But we need to get to the bottom of this because obviously other teams are going to be watching this. So I kind of want to give you a little perspective here of what they're seeing, you know, the real part of it, not, not the Twitter part of it, but, uh, actually what, uh, what is the tangible problems, uh, both defensively, offensively with finishing drives and, uh, some of the situational work they did and special teams actually today, uh, excuse me on Sunday an overall very, very good day. So let's dive into it. We'll go th- quickly through the game here. I do want this to be brief as well, knowing that this is painful. <laughs> I don't want this to be an hour long show, uh, because you don't need the drawn out sort of, um, masochism. We, we can just stick with a quick and easy <laughs> if at all possible, but a lot of plays to cover. So I'll do the best I can. Uh, New England offense starts out with a ball, uh, first drive of the game for them. Uh, it's a score. So, I mean, you know, if you're, you're getting to the whole uh, narrative portion of the week, and we talked about it a lot on Nesson, we talked a lot about it on our pregame show, the pregame chat. Uh, you know, it, it was a very popular theme, and I don't think it's it's irresponsible to do it. It's four out of five losses down there, although two years ago there was a blowout win down there. But still, you know, in aggregate, it's been an issue uh, winning down there. Who knows what the – the cause of that is, but at least in this instance, walk out, walk down the field, run the ball twice, Gordon slant for press from press coverage. So they're hitting up Gordon, not just when he gets off and run that slant, but he gets pressed. Nice conversion there. You get the deep out from the slot to Edelman. That was pretty badass. And I wanted to point on this as well, folks, that I think often, and I often see this a lot from national people that I follow and, and friends that I have around the around the country in the NFL that cover other markets or maybe work at some of the, the national outlets. And they, they so often refer to Julian Edelman as a, as a slot receiver. He so often doesn't just play slot receiver. Not that there's a problem with slot receiver, you know, not, but you know, that has sort of the, the Welker thing about it, you know, small white guy. Sometimes people think that unfortunately, but you know, it, there's a persona that goes with Wes and that everyone that did it must look and act and do it like Wes. Wes was a true dude, true, true deal slot guy. He's smaller, he's shorter. He wins on these sort of like sort of soccer player bouncing out of, of cuts on the inside. He was phenomenal at it, virtually unguardable for a long stretch of time. Um, just nobody could mark him. Uh, but he, his body type just wasn't as versed on the way he, you know, his length, he was shorter, you know, short, not just his height, but he's not a long, long, short guy. <laughs> he doesn't have long arms. Um, so, you know, you had to put the ball right on him. He was very good to hit with inside the numbers, but that what's different from Julian. And I think a lot of people just sort of slot him on to where Wes left and we're far enough into, into Julian's career here to, to, to not be doing that locally. Uh, but I did want to note that a lot of the good routes that Jules went on in this game are, are you know, maybe they actually do originate in the slot, but they're not slot routes insofar as he's running options on the inside and just getting dumps and stuff like that. This guy's sometimes originating routes from inside another wide receiver, 
but they're deep outcuts and their their balls are actually hitting outside the numbers. So he's he's very much a, as much an outside the numbers player as he is an inside the number player. Julian Edelman is all over the field, and I think this is my one little tangent here before we dive right down into all the meat. But I think that's a big development for this offense. You know, putting again away the motion of that of that uh, half uh, or excuse me of that game. Uh, you know, this is a, a, a an over thirty player with a four game suspension, uh, a year away from the the big the big surgery he had, and uh, he's having a very productive year. Uh, and, and again, he's not pigeonholed as just a certain kind of hey run run sticks routes on third down kind of thing. He's winning deep and down the field from inside. He's originating outside and winning some ISO stuff. We'll get to that later, but. Jules back and have a big season. I think that's a, that was something that I, I think people were a little more reticent about. Is that what it's going to be? But that's been a huge surprise, especially when you add in Josh Gordon opposite him. But all right, moving along here, uh, you get the deep out from from slot. So basically, he's the second receiver. He's inside and he's running deep down the field. And it's a concept that they hit on multiple times in this game. That was good to see. Um, I, I would say overall as a theme for the day, uh, Sony Michelle had a really nice run in the fourth quarter. Long one got called back on a devil and hold, but in the absence of that, my, my sort of notes here, and, and I have to go this route when it's what I'm thinking and from, you know, from as much as I saw, we've really been pumping up Sony Michelle, uh, and how important he is to everything and, you know, how well he's played, you know, save for those first couple games as we get acclimated to NFL life. I think he ran great this game and, and the, the blocking wasn't overwhelming, but I thought where he was really good and patient and explosive a week and two ago, uh, you know, where he let it develop and he'd explode through the hole, he'd get the extra stuff with some of his own sort of vision and patience. I thought some of the times today he was a little early into stuff where it didn't develop and he gets stuffed, or he was, you know, or or he was a little, you know, just hesitant and and, and kind of at times went down easier than I, I you typically see him do. I don't. Th- I think this is a C minus or whatever. I shouldn't even do that. I hate the grade thing. But the point is, this he we've seen him be much better than he was on this day. And it's not just a function of good blocking; he'll have good runs. Bad blocking; he'll have bad runs. This was, you know, you had some above average scenarios, and I, I thought there were a lot of times where Sony didn't make the most of them. So he's a young player. It's not going to be home runs every week. Uh, I thought this was just a eh week for him. And, you know, it, it could have helped them if he'd have played a little better. But it's, it's certainly not to pin it on any one guy. There's You can go up and down the line here, and everyone uh, could have done a little more. And you always kind of get that sense when you go on these road games and come back and you start to look at it, and you get 53 dudes in the room, and each of the 53 probably has a few that they'd like to take back. You can't have that if you want to win down the stretch, and they all know that. So moving on here, uh, uh, there's a YY situation. YY is two tight ends together, so one tight end with his hand down on the ground, that's Gronk. Another guy just off the ball uh, at his hip, and they, that's the second Y, YY, that's what we call it. So it makes that sort of little wing-looking scenario there. The, this is an interesting note because the Patriots are now doing that with Devlin as a second tight end. Devlin is your YY, or you. Uh, sometimes they call a move tight end a you. Uh, but the point of that is, is it is it's kind of a nice little thing, you know, with – with uh, uh, Dwayne Allen not being a big part of things right now, uh, they're comfortable and, and still pretty effective using essentially Devlin, which is a comparable body size, as that second tight end. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they continue to go that way or if they, they get to a point where Allen is fully healthy and they want to go back to the old stuff. But it's an interesting wrinkle, and I think it can affect the inactive active list stuff or at least obviously in-game percentages. But if they think they can do that and kind of screw you, make you think you're in a two-back thing, and you're actually not. You're running at like 12 personnel. You're running 12 personnel to tight end type stuff that's just a little wrinkle something they've done a little bit now more uh in the last couple of weeks um patterson checked down uh patterson had you know this quarter patterson had a few big plays in this game again it's not a target this guy 10 times thing but man he gets his few options a game he always does something with it i i i think i was put a little snarky tweet out there about the idea that i would not i do not get not appreciating this guy he is an awesome addition if you have uh, he takes uh, what are B and B plus offenses, and because you're going to add in those five plays a game, uh, three to five plays a game, that you just don't quite you know account for, or you know, or if you do account for, you're wasting a lot of time on something that's only going to hit you hit a few times. And once he does get that ball in his hands, man, he's explosive. He's the scariest catch and run guy on the field for either team, virtually every week. Um, and it happened again this week. They catch him with a check down, huge play for them. Uh, and and it wasn't a design check down; it was just finding him late. Catch him out in the flat man he makes you know makes 12 yards a lot of it on his own just through burst and then obviously later they hit him on the big seam route but Cordero Patterson a very very good addition to this offense and he seems to find a way to help every week 
uh, and that's a big deal. Um, there was a weird exchange between Brady and, and Sony Michelle on second and goal. Uh, th- now we've obviously advanced down the field here a little bit, so I'm skipping ahead to to shorten this. But I don't know what that was all about, and and you know I. It, I couldn't tell if it was Brady reversing out the wrong direction or or just Michelle, you know, taking the ball on the wrong side of Brady. Uh, one of those two things that happened. But again, you know, it, that to me is more like the, if you want to get into the narrative of being ready to go down to Miami or being somehow distracted or not being sharp, because that looked a little weird. But then the notion that that hurts them kind of goes out the window because then they score on the Devlin, uh, Devlin dive on the very next play. And I'll touch on that briefly, why I love that. Now we have three touchdowns in two weeks uh, to the fullback. You get down into this and one or and two kind of situation. Man, from a middle linebacker standpoint, and I did that, uh, you know, part of, part of my career, I was an outside linebacker, or they even call it the corner, actually, in, in goal line situations, because they call the edge of the defense is the right corner, uh, even though, because basically you don't actually have corners in the game because you don't have as many wide receivers. So you, the outside linebackers call the corner, basically. So I played that for about half, and then about the other half of my career, I was as an inside guy. So it just kind of depend where I was at or who was around or, or not injured or whatever at the time. But yeah, Brewski was our main guy for that for a while, but I got a couple years of that with there, and then a little in, in New York as well. So my point in even going down that road is just saying that I have a pretty good amount of experience with bigger backs in the backfield. And when you're into a short and one or two situation of being the off the ball guy opposite them and having to, to get downhill, you know, and you're, you're three to four to five yards off because it's a little tighter than what your normal linebacker depth would be. But when they turn and just hand it to the fullback, if the fullback makes the right cut and doesn't slide step sideways too long or pause too much, he's into the hole before you can be because, you know, he's at a, he's at a shallower depth and he knows where he's going and you're having to read and react. So I've always thought that I, I was surprised. College does it all the time. If you can give it to that fullback quickly, he can beat the linebacker down. Unless you've got linebackers cheating up the line, well, then you're very ripe for, for play action. But I, I thought that was – I love that that's sort of the, 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 the direction the offense is going now. That's very hard to stop. Now, when Brady reverses out, hands it all the way back to the back at seven yards depth or eight or whatever it is going to be, um, to, to a tailback, that gives the off-the-ball linebackers in, in the middle of a, of a goal-line defense more time to read and react and sort of shadow. So you're at a comparable depth of them. They're seven deep. You're six-ish deep. And you're mirroring them. You're basically making their cuts. It's much, much harder if you start at that depth because you see that back at that depth, and then they hand it to the fullback. It's a race to get down there. And provided he doesn't, again, go sideways too much, if he's able to quick get into a gap, it's fucking pretty easy, you know, and and that and that's frustrating for linebackers, especially because you have a, a pass responsibility down there. In the event that they pull it out of the belly, you might have the tight end, you might have the fullback in the flat, you might have the back, whatever. But that I, I like, and I think that you know we'll see more of those. And if teams load up and try to you know bail on the fullback, then you start seeing you'll start seeing flip plays. Um, you'll start seeing other kind of sort of compliments after off that. But that's a good, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good thing to to latch onto. Is my cheesy corny, terrible Italian accent. Uh, had a nice meal at Luciano's last night, last night after with the family and some friends uh, celebrating their son's 21st birthday. So um, I've got a terrible accent this morning. I don't know why that is. But anyway, moving on. Uh, good to see that. That's, again, they come out. They score a touchdown right off the bat. Way to go. You know, New England, New England came ready to play on this whole, you know, go to Miami thing. Um, but then they miss the extra point. So uh, I'll touch on this briefly. And you all know I have a bias out there. I like to throw it and make sure everyone knows I'm friends with with Skiskowski. I like Mead a lot. He's a really great guy. Uh, he's obviously been an incredible role for years and years. The ball he misses here is it, it, he, he's actually used this in interviews before. Uh, so uh, he, he talks about how it's a little like your golf swing. And if anyone's ever, you know, if you're a golfer, you know, this, there'll be days where, yeah, man, I'm just pushing everything right. I can't figure it out. And he struck that ball and it immediately sort of had like a little slice on it, just a little slice at the end. But because he'd started it too close down the middle, it couldn't hold the slice, you know, the, the, the posts. So, you know, bad miss there. I mean, that's something that in pregame you should have worked out. And if you're slicing a little that day, you maybe compensate a little bit more to the left half so that the slice holds it. He didn't. Hits the post. Ooh, you know, bad one. But, you know, it's it's so early in the game. Not a big deal. But, you know, if you're a points watcher, <laughs> you're wagering at all, it's a big deal. You want to see him make that, especially on the road, because it sort of, you know, it's like a, hey, I'm ready to go to kind of thing. Um, but the reason I mentioned, and so I won't have to go this long on this part later, when he misses the 42-yarder later, it, he really hit the exact same ball. It starts about the same portion down the thing, and it still has that fade on it. He hadn't either corrected the fade or started it far enough left to hold the fade. And uh, again, you know, we've all been there as a golfer. Holy shit, I cannot get this little slice out of my thing today, or out of my swing today. And 
he had that. And, and it, you know, he's had an excellent year. He's obviously still a top kicker. But, you know, it was a bad day to have a bad day, if, if that, if that you know, makes any sense. He'll go back and correct it, but, uh, you know, they needed him, and he didn't have his best work, and you have to acknowledge it, even though he's a buddy, um, to be fair here, which is um, what we're trying to do. So, anyway, moving on, uh, New England defense is up now. Uh, the, Tannehill had this pistol fake. Pistols, you know, the, the, the formation where he's not in gun, he's in, like, halfway gun, and he's got the back behind him directly behind him, they have that play where uh, uh, Tannehill does the fake from pistol and then he runs around the edge. Uh, it's like it's like a zone read kind of thing, but he is pulling it out when he sees the defensive end over commit, and then he just runs in, on, on air. He doesn't have any lead blockers, but it's the fake uh, that gets him. And Hightower was the right end there, the outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he did not set the edge. I think it was really bad. And, uh, you know, I've been trumpeting high tower throughout the year for people to hang with me, hang with me. He's had, he's had some big time plays in the last several weeks. His, his play has risen considerably in November relative to where it was earlier in the year. Uh, and I thought he was back. I'm like, this is the dude that, that, you know, that has the big contract. That's one of the leaders on the team, all that kind of stuff. I thought on this particular play, to be equally fair, I thought he actually loafed. I thought it was a really poor effort because once he got faked, and, you know, it happens. I was like, oh, shit, I went too far down with that fake. I'm now lost leverage. He didn't really chase Tannehill. And, again, as a linebacker, I just, again, not saying it, Dante, but or, or just saying that's player X, whoever it was. Player X, it happens to be right in on that play. When he pulled that out and he turned and ran, you're expected, oh, shit, I got screwed, but I got a – bust it maybe from behind you can punch that ball out you know he's going to get more yards than you want him to have but with a nice hustle there you can get back in that play maybe blow the quarterback up you know do something but when he realized he was he had sucked in too much he kind of turned and just jogged and I, I don't like to see that I know defensive coordinators hate that I know position coaches hate that I don't know if they'll give it to him or not but I know a lot of fans sometimes tweet at me about stuff that Hightower does, and that's usually the kind of plays I think you see. And it is a little, and I can see this. It is a little bit frustrating, and it is you know unreasonable to be like, why does he do that? You know, because there are times where his his pursuit doesn't look very good, and it looks to me more like an effort thing. And but then you come back, and he said, you know, he'll have like three or four highlight plays in a game, and you can tell he's a big time player. But those kind of plays are frustrating. That hurt him on that particular play. Now Malcolm Brown, uh, a little bit later. Uh, I'm just going to make this as a general point. I don't want to kill any particular player ever on a down-in, down-out basis. I just want to be nuts and bolts fair, what's happening, what's not happening. This is a bad day for Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown's number 90. Malcolm Brown's in the middle of the defense. They've inactivated Danny Shelton for the day. So they're basically making a choice. They're going to go with you over him uh, exclusively. You're not going to have both active so they can rotate if something's going down. But he was the middle guy of a lot of these big runs, and Miami – and best my best guess anyway is I'm watching them where the point of attack keeps hitting. They kept going at Malcolm, and he, he wasn't getting pushed. He's now if it's a guard, if it's center, whoever happens to be on the inside, didn't do a good job overall in the day of, of of pushing back whomever was across from him and shedding and making a tackle. Occasionally, he would fall off plays and make the tackle four or five yards downfield, but. That's not what you want your defensive tackles to do. You need them pushing the other guys into the backfield, making the back run the hump. In other words, sort of you know change his course and make a cut he doesn't want to make because the the defensive line has gotten pushed. Malcolm had a rough day, and again, I'll just I'll mention as much and go through it. And it's I think there will be some frustration there. We've actually heard a little bit. It was a couple of weeks, of, maybe it was two weeks ago, or maybe it was last week in the Vikings game where you started to hear some good quotes out of locker rooms like, "Hey, man, a lot of people don't appreciate how you know what Malcolm does. He does the dirty work." He's really improved. He's doing well for us. And, and that may be true, and I'm, I'm certainly not studying any individual player here to you know follow their career as if they're good, bad, or otherwise and need extensions and their contracts, all that. It's just too much into the weeds for what I'm trying to do for you people. But I did remember hearing that, and I paid a little more attention this game, and it was a bad one for him, especially when, when the runs are going right down over center and you're the defensive tackle. You're going to get some of the heat, and I think this is a week where he just just wasn't good enough, and uh, you know, hopefully turns it around. Hopefully, gets back to where he had been playing in previous weeks because this was this was uh, it was a rough day for him. Um, and let's see, moving on here. Let's see. Good lord, my phone's blown up. Maybe I should turn that off. So anyway, moving on. Um, uh, this ends up being uh, sort of the. Uh, oh, by the way, the, the when I I brought up the Malcolm Brown point because you know as the interior of the defensive line, you're going to talk about those guys. You're going to talk a little bit about Lawrence Guy. Lawrence, I think, plays at a higher level more consistently. 
Uh, so is going to take less of the fault on this kind of stuff. But you know, this the big Malcolm, uh, excuse me, the big Gore run went right downhill, um, and you know it was it, the run right to the interior of the defense, and that they they clearly think they've got a play, a weak spot that they want to go to, and they 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 are are honing in on it. Let's put it that way. So went through there. There's the big stills flat route from tunnel motion that ends up being the touchdowns. Basically, they're motioning them through the backfield as if a back as if you know sort of the backs course. And then they snap the ball right off the edge, and then he runs just a quick flat route, and they get it to him, touchdown. But again, I the biggest thing on that drive, the biggest problem was the the Tannehill scramble uh, around the edge on his own on that sort of design thing, and then Malcolm Brown um, having a little trouble there at the at the point of the attack inside, and Gore just flying through the line and having a huge run. So they pretty much walked down the, down the field themselves. So you're back into close game here, seven six. New England's now on defense. Um, Gilmore, this is actually a pretty good series. Uh, Gilmore jumps the route, drops it. It looked like damn near pick six. Gilmore was really tight on his, um, on his coverage there. Um, oh wait, you know what? I shouldn't do this folks. I I actually skipped over the New England offense series. That's in part, you'll see why quick, how quick that was. Uh, third and one, uh, Patriots work down to third and one uh, and Burkhead gets tackled for on a tackle for loss. This is one play you could probably point to and say, ah, that's not being ready to go. Or, ah, that's sloppy play because Trent Brown at left tackle has been so good, especially as they've started to kick up the running game the last month. Um, didn't block anyone. And it was a weird reaction by him after the play because he started almost like fan protect, or you know, like he was looking to his outside, to his left, uh, for someone to block. There was no one there. Uh, but there was a linebacker doing a run through and he didn't even touch him. So, you know, there was clearly some sort of miscommunication there. The wide receiver Hogan is sort of flexed right off of his hip and he flies straight up to the safety definitively as if he knew or thought that that was who he was supposed to have. Brown didn't react to anyone, didn't touch anyone, and Burkhead's tackle in the backfield. And that was unfortunate because that was a, you know, in the, to get it to the end one is where you want to go. We talk about that all the time. Get a lot of yards on either first or second down, make third easily convertible. But if you don't block somebody, you know, they get a tackle for loss, and it's an ugly play. Back on defense for the, for, for the Patriots, as I mentioned, Gilmore does a good job jumping a route, but he drops it. Could have been a pick six there. Uh, there's the delay sack by Hightower. Yeah, this is the one I was tweeting about in the game. This is, like, super excited about the way Hightower did this. This is really cool, uh, you know, nuts and bolts kind of uh, play. It looked like so after Tannehill's had the scramble and he's gone for big yards this series before, it's like, okay, now we're not going to let that happen again. We're actually going to shadow this guy or do the whole mirror thing with a guy from the inside. Well, it looked like Hightower was sort of delaying as if he was that guy. Ball snaps, he takes a step back, he looks right at him to let him think he's the the mirror guy that takes him out of the protection. The protection guys look out, fan out to other people, and then he comes. It was pretty cool, great play, um, you know, and a very sneaky vet play there too because you have to sell it and then you have to be able to be quick and explode. Hightower is that when he, when he really turns it on, and uh, that was a great play. And it was a good defensive series. And then McClellan uh, on the, uh, gets the pump block. So uh, I'm not going to go through the pump block here. I think I may write on that this week. I'll, I'll see how my week for the athletic ends up going and what we, what we get into. But I kind of like to break down those two punts because those ends up, end up being pretty cool plays. And we don't often get a chance to look at exactly how those protections work. And uh, it's very rare when you see one dude make two of them. So I'll put some shine on that this week. We'll see if that ends up being what I write on. But uh, anyhow, moving forward, uh, New England's got this drive start on the 18. Good stuff. Edelman inside crosser. Good stuff. First and goal on the six. Edelman touchdown. Uh, it, what he ran was you'll look and see that route is pretty familiar to what he did in the Seattle uh, Super Bowl years ago, where he's, he's back. He's back to Tom's left. He runs the route inside and then sort of zigs back out. He's ISO touchdown. Great play there. Sharp offense is looking pretty good there. Uh, defense is back on. Stills, uh, Stills has the big over route. They struggled with that particular route concept. Stills has historically had actually pretty, some pretty good games against the Patriots. Was good again on this day. Um, this was probably one of, obviously, the, the ugliest plays of the entire game, other than the way that the final one, clearly. Uh, but the big Bolden touchdown. And um, my tweet at the time uh, was not entirely fair. I'll say that now after reviewing it a second time. Uh, Landon Roberts, I gave him a little heat, uh, heat's wrong word, but I, I pointed out that he got sealed play side and he didn't fight over it. And his, him not winning his block caused a pile. Hightower couldn't get over that. Basically they're just right down the middle, right at those guys. And, uh, I, uh, want to go more tip of the cap here to Miami. It was a really good design because I see the dilemma now that, uh, that, uh, that Roberts would have had. Basically, his run keys in front of him, the, the guards and center and, you know, basically the alignment in front, when they move in a certain direction, you have to follow them. You have to honor it because those are going to be the guys blocking you. They had all the run action going with the blockers, basically, all but one guy 
going where Robert stepped. So it's a pretty good sell. It's pretty good play design. Now it comes back the other direction, so it's reasonable that you're going to get sealed there. He could have fought it off a little better and maybe got involved in the tackle down the field. But for the particular defensive run front they were in, kind of get how that would have been a tough one. So shouldn't kill him on that. But I would say this, um, again, when, when they have the exact right run call for the exact right front you're in, and they screw you a little bit. You want those to be five, six, or seven-yard plays. Live to see another day. Call a different front against that. Don't get caught in it. Uh, but why this becomes a big, big problem is uh, between Patrick Chung, who's the off-the-field, off-ball safety, who's stepping down, who's going to have a run-gap responsibility because he becomes part of the front. Uh, Jason McCourty is behind him. And uh, they basically end up in the same gap. So I thought McCourty played this too tight Jason McCourty here. Um, J-Mac has to step up and make that play. Basically, it was when, you know, the scheme hits and you get the inside linebacker's turn in this giant lane. The little misdirection works. Can happen. Safety steps up. He hits his gap. Chung hits his. But then J-Mac didn't kind of give himself enough space off of that block. He's too tight to Chung. Can't see around it. And he has to be the last man of defense. He has to want to be the person that keeps that to a less than 10. He got too tight, really ends up essentially in the same gap as Chung, both on the same side of the block, or at least the one that was blocking Chung. So kind of wasted extra guy out there. So that was one of the situations, you know, blaming the corners for big runs. I mean, I know it's a little weird even when it hits back inside, but he has to be the one to step up and make that play. You know, it's just the way the design of the particular one was versus what they were in. And he got too tight to the block. So it was a pretty ugly area. Pr- pretty ugly area. Egregious there. Nice design by them. Credit them for what would have gotten them to 10. But then the back end stuff made this way more than it should be. Ends up being really the ugly highlight of the day other than the final thing. New England nose back on. Get Gronk. Big over for him. He gets hit in the legs. Everyone oh, kind of grimace. It's like that dude just takes some shots. But survives it. Gets up. Iso to Jules. Big play. Patterson seam touchdown. Equally big play. This is this is a great series. You get Gronk back involved. Uh, you get ISO Jules another isolation. I'm saying he's the only receiver extended his side, so he's not playing slot. He's playing real deal wide receiver. Sucks it inside out route deep completion. Then very next play, Patterson on the seam. Brady's dealing. So that was a great offensive series. Puts up seven. D's out now. Um, there's a sick ball to, to Stills. That's what I wrote. Wow, sick ball. I mean, Tannehill. Uh, I know he gets a lot of heat, but this was a great pass. Downhill, this is, or downfield, this is a seven cut. Seven cut's a flag route. Basically, you run straight up the seam, and then you cut towards the pylon, right? Seven is the number associated with that. But it was just beyond the defender's hands. Had to lead him. Couldn't have broken stride. Perfect. Great one. Just sometimes you tip their cap. Uh, but the very next play, they end up with a really bad edge. The defense is right. The offense is left. And this is down in the red zone area now here. Um, and honestly, my first thought was, like, oh, Flowers lost that edge. But he's actually taking two. He's staying outside of his initial blocker. There's a puller. He kind of chips him off as well. But it was a weird front, defensive front. And I think at this point, they're, they're, they're just searching for something because they've gotten gashed previously. But you got a bunch of people up into the line. And when you have a lot of people up in the line pre-snap, there's no second level, no off-the-ball linebackers, you know, no middle linebacker and will there that have a little depth that can flow and make the play when somebody sets the edge. But because Flowers didn't keep it inside of him, and again, when you get the second puller, sometimes you can't be blamed for that but because you've actually taken two. You need someone to be sort of secondary contained, come off that and make the tackle. There was no one there to do it. And I think in part that's probably a run front that B-Flow goes back and says, well, fuck this, we can't, or we can't get caught in that, or we can't play that that way. Um, you know, this was a day where Miami, again, you got to tip their cap. That play wasn't executed well, but they weren't in a great thing for what they were, for what they were shown. So it ends up being like a 10 or 12 or whatever it is, and bad, you don't, it's not good. But it ends up being a conversion. And then on the left edge, uh, you know, uh, next play, John Simon uh, gives, up, uh, gives up the edge. Bad edge by him on this particular play. Bolden bounces it and a touchdown first and goal. Just takes it right in. Now it's 21-20. Things are flying. So, again, bad day defensively thus far. Kind of an every other bad series kind of thing. Good series, bad series, but the bad series is too bad because they're coming with a full seven points. New England offense is back on the field. This is a big Gordon catch to start thing off. You know, get a conversion with him. Burkhead draw, Edelman over the middle uh, on Alonzo. It's a big play there. And these times where you can get Julian isolated on linebackers, he's going to eat and did. Gronk on third and seven. Out route, he's running from the hip position. In other words, he's just off the line of scrimmage. Looks like he may be back in protection, but they release him. That, that helps him earn the linebacker. 
big completion to him there on Alonzo. Um, uh, the, you know, Kiko Alonzo, linebacker. So now Alonzo's been picked on twice, one settlement, Gronk the next. And, and in my view, is rewatching this, and I, I think this has ended up being a really positive day for Gronk. Took a lot of tough shots, but still had a big productive day, has the touchdown, all that kind of stuff. I thought this was the day where you kind of see how he'll be used now. If he can keep his body healthy, which is no small task considering the kind of shots this dude takes and the kind of job he has. Uh, but this was a good example of where he'll be. I think we're he's not moving well with the things that he's dealing with, but he's tough as shit out to be out there. But, you know, extending him from the formation and drawing a corner of safety and trying to win that one-on-one out, he's just not moving well enough right now to do that. That doesn't mean he can't still be a monster, still can't be a Pro Bowl type guy, still can't be a top tight end. He is, but back inside as a traditional. More close to the formation, drawing linebackers, beating them, uh, beating up on them. And uh, Tom sending the ball to him a bunch of times that way. And that's more what happened today. I think this week was sort of a maturation of the last couple. You know, you grow into where you realize he's going to be best for what he's dealing with right now and what he can do. And it still is a, is a big positive effect for the offense. So, and then, oh, right after this, you know, Gronk gets up a, a touchdown with another flag route. You know, uh, the flag route's the thing I was talking about earlier with stills where you run, you extend it, and then you head out towards with a pylon. Uh, on sort of a 45-degree angle, Gronk gets his touchdown on that. It's from in line. I think that's very important, the word in line being you know, attached to the formation. He's got his hand on the ground. He's a traditional tight end. He's not extended, and that's from where he gets his touchdown. I think that's, again, sort of the, the transition phase in here to more of the true, true tight end, not the extended big old wide receiver thing. They're done with that, at least you know for now, uh, but that's okay. You end up with a touchdown with this dude. Big catch. Play action, suck some of the linebackers. It would have been a help element there in, in you know, covering that if they hadn't sucked in so much. And really just great pull and a really great catch there or throw there by Tom. Defense is back out. Uh, Four-minute situation here before offense. And this is where I think you have to give the defense some credit. And I know it's a tough day because they sucked on a lot of drives. Um, but one of the things, that, and this is really weird to say, it's kind of hard to frame it this way, but what New England did on this day is they were poor against the run overall. Uh, I think you take away those two monster outliers, the Bolden run and, and Gore, you break, take those away and say, well, how do they do on really the gut glut of what they did? They were bad in that too. Still 100 yards, still five yards per carry. So even removing the outliers, it was a mess. So definitely a bad day of run defense overall. But situationally, uh, again, you're going to remember, I'm going to say this, and you go, well, yeah, well, what about the final play? Take the final play away. But situationally and sort of third down stuff, uh, situationally in the before half stuff, situation in the first drive out after half, the four minute defense end of game, they won all those. <laughs> so you know it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not an easy story to tell. They were bad, certainly a, a, a down day for them overall, but it, it, they actually answered the bell pretty decently again, other than that final thing. In those moments where man, we've sucked, we've given up lots of points, but hey, situationally we need to get the ball back for our offense. They actually did that several times in the game, so it's sort of a ah, what you could be but weren't kind of feel to this. So anyway, in the four-minute situation, ends on third and four. It's a sack. Uh, Jonathan Jones, sort of a delay defensive back coming off the left side. Uh, him and Van Noy are both there to create a play call. Nice coverage behind him. Good win, quick win. It is a quick win. It's a really important part here because that series went quickly. Gives the ball back. Full two-minute drill to go. 151 from their own 20. Patriots are definitely, you know, this is where the Patriots often shines. One 51 to go right before half. Going to get points. Um, they went three and out. And, and, I, and, and this is where sort of the story for me kind of flips on its head because we talked about earlier how, it, you know, you look at the score, you say good day O, bad day D. Uh, eh, the O put up a lot of yards. The O did score touchdowns, but they were bad situationally. Offense uh, on this day, the Patriots failed in a lot of their situational stuff. So, you know, it's just, I would say it was really a mixed bag for everyone. <laughs> I think that's a more accurate uh, analysis of, of going back and looking through this thing and realizing there were several failures offensively, situationally, even though they won a lot of more extended drive stuff, even though they put up a good points number. Uh, red zone fails and that kind of stuff, and then the situational losses, you're not walking away happy, even though you see 30-some points on the board. Um, so they go three out. Poor uh, three and out, and that's uh, poor situational offense before then. But then here's the crazy part again that doesn't fit the bad D narrative day. Uh, this is another back to back inside four minute situational defensive opportunities. The New England D gets another stop. <laughs> Miami takes over on their 30, and in 50, with 51 seconds to go, they go sack. Uh, Tannehill stepped on trying to escape. Tackle for loss by Claiborne, use a timeout. Flowers gets a sack. So, sa- so sack, TFL sack. 
Whole series takes 13 seconds. Awesome defense. Gives the offense back the ball again. Uh, so, you know, and, and one little other uh, divergent point here. Uh, this is not a day uh, to bitch about the Patriots' uh, pass rush. They were exceptional. That was really, The pass rush was great. So I think this is a great point here when you look to bad Patriots' uh, defensive games, when they have down days, when they have, you know, they're, they're, they're essentially 2-1 to one in the year, if you're not aware of this, if you like to bag on that group. They're too good to one bad performance over the course of the year. Go ahead and check it out. But they're, they're not one for one. They're not one good, one, da- one bad. They're more... Two to one, and you know when you're nine and four, that kind of makes sense. It's about a two to one ratio. But when they've been bad, they've been really bad, and I think that draws people more attention, and they're more apt to forget the good stuff. Um, but the thing to me that is glaring here, though, is not just that this was one of their bad ones; it's that it wasn't. It had literally nothing to do with need better pass rush. I mean, that was not the issue. They pass rushed really well on a day where they gave up a lot of points. So it isn't always pass rush. Oftentimes, it's really got nothing to do with that. Uh, this was a day where the run defense sucked. And then and then they, they didn't tackle well. And then obviously, you have the terrible situational thing at the end of the game. But um, pass rush, pretty good. And this is an example. Again, two four, a four-minute win and then an inside-a-minute win to give your offense two chances before half. Uh, and this is right after this that amazing, you know, they only go with a 13 second series sack, TFL sack, punt, punt blocked. This is the second block. And uh, yeah, the right guard on the punt team blows it. I'm going to take a look at that uh, with my athletic uh, column this week and sort of show you what went down there. Uh, but now, New England offense is back out there. Completion of Gronk over the middle. This is where he takes that big shot to his back and knowing that he has that history and he's dealing with it now. You're, oh God, you kind of, you know, you're kind of, uh, kind of grimacing for him there. Uh, so anyway, first and goal now on the two, you got 21 seconds remain first and goal on the two, 21 seconds to go, but you don't have any timeouts. First down is from guns. So they're going to go all passes here. Understandable. Like I said, if it's a run that fails, you, you have to scramble the line. So you're kind of expecting three passes from the two first down from gun throw away. Uh, second down, uh, badly misses Hogan on the back line. And as many good big-time throws that Tom had this day, uh, that Brady had on this day, and then we know we're about to talk here about the situational fail, but not knowing the timeout situation, I thought this was one of his other sort of negative execution plays uh, where he kind of falls away as if he's anticipating a hit much more than I think he needed to. And again, again I'm sitting here, you know, record a freaking podcast in my boxers and being critical of a 40 plus year old guy that's you know out there taking hits but he he shied away from that one a little bit and just in fairness I'm always talking about how great Tommy is it it's step slide and resetting himself and being calm around the pressure he faded here when I don't think he needed to fade and threw a bad ball when Hogan was wide open on the back line so not great execution on there um the hit wasn't imminent I I think he believed it was and it, it really wasn't um so on third down, now Tom takes a sack. This is where he comes in. And, and again, in, in credit to this guy, he was super contrite. He's like, I screwed up. You don't often hear that. You also don't often expect that from Brady, uh, to you know, because he's master of situations. And on this day, he blew that one. Uh, but you do see the leadership there. You do see what Tom's all about. Um, he didn't waffle on this, and I, I'm not going to do name-naming here, but you can easily find some other quarterbacks around the league. I think some of you know some of them somewhere in this conference, uh, that, that take the podium and don't take the heat when they deserve it. And Tom did on this day, and I, and trust me, guys around the locker room appreciate that stuff. They do. Um, if he would have made any other excuses or mentioned any other thing, he just went right straight to it. No, I, I, I was unaware. It's terrible to me. It's a bad play on my part. And even though it sucks, uh, and it clearly did cost them points, at least three, maybe even four, um, you know, at least three. We'll just call it the three. Uh, so, you know, you got to own it and he did and guys will appreciate that may not make you feel better because you would much better, much rather would have had him execute it correctly, but, um, he makes mistakes too. Um, he's human, but I I did like the way he handled it post game. I think that was, says a lot about the man. Let's put it that way and move on. So, um, moving on here, New England D is the first opportunity of the second half. Remember their head here, 27, 21 forced fumble by uh, Trey Flowers. Nice play there. Miami does get it back, though. It's third and five. Uh, zone read play, mess of a read there on run. You get third and five, and it's too free of a run conversion. That was a frustrating one. Uh, this is the one that's uh, tough to tough to deal with here. Uh, Frank Gore into the flat. Uh, it's, it ends up being a 12-yard play. This is pr- another one that's a little bit similar to the, the, the Tannehill one I mentioned earlier in the day. Again, and I, I have to try to be fair here. I'm a, a, 
I'm a fan, I guess, as a former linebacker, I can I can see what Hightower can do. And I'm, he makes some big-time plays, and he can be a big-time player. But this is kind of one of those plays where the effort was was not very good. It's, it's, it's Gore in the flat. It's Hightower. You know, his coverage is he's right over the top. He's aligned over top of him pre-snap. He runs directly to the flat. That's his guy. It should be, at the very worst, a catch and tackle. An easy catch and tackle, three or four yards, get him down. But this ends up being, uh, you know, like a 12-yard fall forward thing. And it, it didn't get juked out. It just didn't look like his urgency was anywhere near there. And he kind of falls off the play. And then when he realizes he needs to have a little more urgency, you see him pick the pace up. And then he's kind of contacting him around 9, but then he's falling forward at 12. And it's basically it's something a guy who's as good as him should make uh, much sooner, much more urgent, and maybe even gets an opportunity for a pass breaker for TFL if he plays that better. Instead of twelve yard completion, you just hate to see that from one of your leaders. And I know Dante can can play better, and that's why I make the effort to make that point because uh, he's a stud. But he does have these lapses, and I can understand as a fan how that may be frustrating to you. Uh, but he does actually get bailed out on this one because there's an illegal hands to the face. Uh, Butler gets a ta- uh, Adam Butler gets a tackle for a loss next uh, next play. Really nice edge set by uh, by Claiborne, Adrian Claiborne, and, and I want to mention this because a lot of the edge problems I was talking about earlier, Claiborne wasn't in that spot. I wonder if one of the the moves going forward for these last two games and into the playoffs is to get Claiborne on the edge more. Big physical guy doesn't get a beat around the edge more. They've been screwing around with him kind of bouncing him all over the formation. If you're starting to have those troubles in the run game, he's a good guy to get out there more often. So that was his wrinkle. You know, they obviously had the problems prior to him getting in there. He's in there more now, sets a nice edge, gets a stop. It's third and 24. They make the tackle to get off the field. New England's back on the ball. Uh, there's a hold uh, called against uh, whomever was covering Julian Edelman. Horse collar tackle later, chop block on 69. That's Mason. That offsets, kind of resets the offense here a little bit. You get a really good run by Michelle, uh, one of the best ones of the day, follows that up. And then there's a huge Gordon catch and run. Uh, his transition out of the catch is sick. I made this point on Twitter. I, I was making this in my notes here, too, because I wanted you to see. I, I wanted to explain. Basically, when, when a ball is coming at you and it's being rifled at you, everyone, humans usually just pause. You know, you just have this minor little pause because you got to secure the catch and then begin your run again. One of the really good things about about uh, about uh, about Gordon is the way he runs through the catch. He runs through the catch and keeps the speed up. That means the guy that's covering him doesn't get that millisecond catch-up moment where, oh, now he, as he's securing the catch, I'm running through and I'm going to get on him at least for the tackle. Gordon is special that way, and he did this several times in the game where he just he swoops through the catch and, and keeps his stride going and ends up with a lot more run after the catch on it. And that was one play in this particular series. I noticed it. It happened a few times in the game. Um now, Edelman has a drop on a wide route, uh, and that was it was kind of set up nice. So it was one of those ones where they step him back and basically put two guys out in front of him to block. So he's you know he got three receivers extended. Basically, he's almost like a back, or he's real close to the formation. They extend him. It's almost like a little quick screen to him, sort of. Uh, but he dropped it. So um, do I have that right? Yeah, he did drop it. And uh, it was set up nice for more. So a little mistake on Jules' part. And again, I mentioned how good and productive a day Jules had. He did have a at least two, maybe three. I hope I'm not misremembering the third, but his hands weren't great on the day on a few things, but then he had some super gutsy big time catches as well. So uh productive day. He's still out there getting stuff done, but he did have a couple drive killers. Um, and this ends up, uh, you know, Brady's arm gets hit on third down in the next one. And then that's what puts Guskowski out there uh, for the field goal. And he misses the field goal. So, uh, you know, that's he misses the 42-yarder. He hits it with the right fade that we talked about earlier. But, you know, the thing that proceeds is also Julian dropping a pass on a wide route where it's set up really well. So you want to see Guskowski do better, but you, you want to see Jules as well. Those are two real leaders on your team. Uh, so moving forward here, uh, now, you know, now the, the defense is right back out there once again. And uh, Gore has the big run. Uh, and this is... Uh, I mentioned earlier, so I won't spend much time on it, but Malcolm Brown got worked a little bit on this series. Defensive tackle, just getting turned, losing pretty uh, decisively in a one-on-one there. Big gore run happens. Uh, the thing that comes, and I'm not sure if this is right net directly after that, but a play or two later, uh, Gore is out in the flat on uh, Landon Roberts, and uh, this is this was bad, uh, and this is one that 
added a huge chunk to the sequence, to the series, and then the touchdown comes right after it. It's, again, another little simple flat route. We're not talking about, like, an angle route where a guy gets juked in space. or This is a pretty easy one. He's out there. They're throwing it down there, not expecting much more than three or four. Roberts overruns it. It's a miss tackle on just a basic flat route. Doesn't look good at all. Um, that short play ends up being a big, being a big gain. Um, and Roberts has been playing better in recent weeks, uh, but you know that was a that was a miss. So um, that was a miss, and it was a bad miss, you know, because it, it sort of reignited a series that was going another way. Um, and uh, Tannehill hits the big post pattern to Bryce Butler, I believe, on the very next pass. Gilmore's in coverage on it. You know, Gilmore does get beat for a touchdown, but it's pretty tight coverage. And you know, I, I kind of look at this as sort of a two sided coin as well. Coverage pretty tight. Awesome throw. Great catch in the tight window, but I'm I'm more more uh, I guess annoyed as a linebacker that they're even at that spot where they could take a shot into the end zone, and that came from not tackling a very very simple flat route prior to that. So uh, that is just sort of in the uh, it is what it is category. Uh, Land Roberts have been playing better. Belichick was highlighting him last week in uh, in his media sessions about how improved he was, how much better he was doing in run reads, how much better he was doing in fits, and all true. And I, you know, I don't have an opportunity each week to, to highlight every single guy or thing I've seen. I try to fire through this pretty good. That is absolutely factually true. And I think also additionally, absolutely factually true. He had a step back game. Roberts wasn't uh, as sharp as he'd otherwise been. Um, so he was on this sort of upward arc and, and has, uh, enough bad plays to where you notice him in the Miami game. And, and then, you know, he needs to get back to where he was because, uh, you know, they're needed. He's, you know, with uh, Jaquan Bentley, he was actually a guy that I, I was made a note for myself as I was watching this back saying, you know what, I forgot that he was here. And these kind of scheme runs that they're running where you, they're trying to influence you one direction and you, 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 that you step with it too much and then get sealed. That's the kind of stuff that Bentley was actually really good at. Saw a bunch of that in the Big Ten when he was at Purdue. That's what I was really impressed with him early in the year. And I just kept thinking to myself, these the, this is the day where Bentley would have been really helpful. He reads those much better. He goes and jumps on those flat routes much better. And it's not to say that Atlanta doesn't still have value, but I just this was the day where I was like, I noticed it. I, I noticed, and and it reminded me that there are things that teams are going to go after if they if they believe they can sort of capitalize on that particular element. If they've got a guy like Gore that can go go do it, they hit on that. And again, tip of the cap to them because they found. They found a soft spot. Um, moving on here. Let's see. New England now trails 28-27. Gronk over the middle on third and nine. Gronk catch and run for first down. Uh, Marcus Cannon false starts. Now it's second to 14. Brady sacked. Protections blown between center and guard. The off-the-ball guy flies through. So ultimately, kind of an ugly series there for the offense. Uh, they got things going a little. Not exact. They did get the conversion with Gronk, but uh, you know, in the restart, you get you know, you get another first down. Here we roll, and then they have a penalty, and then Brady sacked, and the thing ends. So you know, mixed bag, but not the best one there. Fourth quarter. Now we're into the fourth quarter. This thing's flying along. Let's see if I can wrap it up for you relatively quickly and get to that real painful ending. It's sort of the you know that how this movie ends. <laughs> you want me to get there and explain what the hell it was. But anyway, there's a big Gordon catch and run here off play action. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do the defensive series. My bad. Uh, I had this note. I got to read it back to you. They're running right at Malcolm Brown. They are. They're going directly at the – well, and I shouldn't say at Malcolm as if they're saying, hey, where's 90? But they're going right at the defensive tackles at this point. Uh, twice in a row, two plays in a row, found life both times there. Uh, they get an offensive pass interference, though, that does reset the series. And uh, Kenny Stills goes down uh, just short of the first down. They had like a, you know, like the backed up second and 20 kind of thing. And they got a chunk play. Uh, but Kenny Stills sort of almost slid like a quarterback. It was really weird. And it ends up in like a third and short. And then Tannehill, Tannehill is sacked by John Simon. Does a nice job flashing across the tight end's face. I think it's almost like a run blitz, expecting them to run on third and one. But they were going to try to boot out of it. Simon touches him down. Third and one, get a sack. So defense is off the field. Actually pretty decent there now. And they're back to, again, it's sort of the, Good good series, bad series, good series, bad series thing with the defense on this particular day. Uh, there's a big Gordon catch and runoff play action. Uh, Gronk has a big catch for 15. Uh, Brady forces one into to Gordon here a little bit. I thought this is one of the, not a lot of them, but there was a couple bad reads by Tom on the day, regrettable ones. He'd re- maybe rather gone with it somewhere else. This was one of those. He's got ISO backside to Gordon. It looked like he'd pretty much decided he was going there first, uh, but he has a sagging linebacker. So the sagging linebacker on the open side is going to collision that route if you throw it. For It was it was too tight, and it, it not, doesn't end up being caught. But I thought with Jules open on the other side, um, 
you know, it was, it, it was, he'd made up his mind too quickly, I think, to go to Gordon on that. And that one was, if you had tried to complete it and had it up a little higher, you might get him killed. Um, but anyway, this is, uh, and then this thing finishes out on third nine with a bad sort of missed a Burkhead in the flat. So it looked like an opportunity to step up and slide, and Tommy didn't on that one either. I would, that was the other instance where I said, you know, his pocket presence had been so good in 17. Good at times in 18, but there's been a, more occasions, I think, this year where he's kind of just chucked it and said, I'm not doing it. Um, and shoot, 41, you know, it's it, you understand why. And the team needs him, and if that's how he wants to stay alive, I, I get it. But it ends up turning into a field goal series. They weren't able to finish that off. And I thought if he does his, like, expert step and slide thing that he's so good – I think he could have reset there and said he just panicked a bit and threw it at the Burkhead in the flat, really in a position where Burkhead couldn't have made the play. But the step and reset was there. Slide, step forward, slide left, let the up-the-field guy go. I think he resets and maybe finds someone else to throw to, but he made a quick decision on that one. Didn't work for him. They do make the field goal. Patriots now up 30-28. to 28. New England defense is out there. They get the, I believe this is either the four and out or three and out. Maybe, you know, when I say four and out, maybe like a one play first down. We're like, damn it. And then they go three and out right after, and you go, oh, okay, never mind. That's good. Ends up being a good series and a big spot. And this is the weird part. We've been talking about this before. Good series, bad series, good series, bad series. This was actually a good series at a time when they needed it. And uh, New England was back out there on the field. Edelman has sort of the juggle and drop on second and two, but Brady on third and two goes right back to him. That shows a, a big amount of faith. Uh, basically he's running the same round and Brady goes right back to his dude confidence in that guy. You can see it huge Michelle bounce out run uh, into the open, but uh, Devlin's called for the hold that brings it back. So that was really Sony's biggest run of the day. It was actually a very good run, explosive missed tackles down the field, read it well back to the open side. Uh, but I think the hold was probably the right call there, especially as a defensive player. He, he had him grabbed a little bit too much. Uh, there was a restriction, so and that kind of helped with the bounce out, so you got to call that. Uh, it's first and 20, big draw to White. James White didn't have a big day. They didn't really get him isoed as much, and that was a huge story the first time, but uh, it does make a nice play here that sort of a get back on track. You're from first to 20, chunks it down. Uh, slant to Gordon for big conversion. He was slick in the second half. Nice play there by Josh Gordon. Uh, and then you get the big pass interference. And you know where this is all going now, folks. Get the pag- pass interference. Gordon's arm is held down on the big deep play down the left sideline. Spot, spot foul, big play. Now you're first and goal. 151 to go. Game's winding down here. 30-28 to 28 lead. You're on the seven-yard line. Miami's only got one timeout, so we know they're going to run. Uh, but this is, I think, where they deserve some criticism because they – Played for the field goal. They played for the field goal. They basically said on a probability matter, we're going to go higher here towards we think it's better for us to suck away as much time as we possibly can and take the field goal and uh, gamble that they can't go the length of the field in the play or two that they may have had if they'd have been quicker on the kick return. And that gamble failed, obviously. So I, I just I, I, I have always appreciated the foot-on-the-gas pedal version of New England more than this one. This was overly conservative in my view. Um, you're on the seven-yard line. I get running it, but maybe spreading them out, being creative with it, the, you know, the Patterson stuff or, you know, finding a more unique way, misdirection, counter something. Th- these felt like three plays where it was just secure the football. Um, they they go big. It's a tight-ass formation, so everyone's packed in, and it's just a straight-ahead lead play. Uh, forces the first, uh, first, uh, first of the series, but the final timeout for Miami. I get that. Now you have the rain to run the clock. But they did tight. They got they tightened up again, and then a, a lead play open away from the tight end, kind of a nothing play. Like it's just sort of like these aren't really meant to trick you. These aren't really meant to get in the end zone necessarily. You know, maybe if they break, they break. But it's more just ball possession, and I didn't love that. I think you have this group, these guys, be more creative. Punch that thing in the end zone. Put the put the foot on the throat. You make it two scores at least. Try. I mean, because even if you you know don't get away an extra thirty seconds, are they going to do that? Thirty? I don't know. Are they going to be able to get the length of the field in those thirty? Highly doubt it. Only if it was just a gimmick play that ends up allowing them to do as much. But anyway, it's a coin toss, I think, for them. But I, I it's just a matter of personal preference because you certainly aren't expecting that crazy ass thing that happened at the end. That's it's it's a good high probability thing that they're not going to be able to go in one play. Although they did here, you just as a matter of style, you like the aggressive New England crew, and this was sort of a a let them have it and we'll take the clock instead kind of thing. Uh, and then there's a bend play open, so you know it's another just lead play, but it's going back to the other side. Nothing. Clock's now one of two, and uh, they, you know, they didn't. In my view, they they weren't really trying to score. I think you could even go on with a pass there, a quick pass, a qua- pass where it's a controlled pass where it's catch and run situation where you can still get clock running. 
They have they have great catch and run guys, and to see none of those catch and run guys get a quick opportunity down low, I don't like that. Uh, and if that had happened, and I think there's a great opportunity with the particular personnel you have, we're not talking about this final play we're about to get to here. Now you got seven seconds left. Kick the field goal. It's thirty three twenty eight. You got seven seconds to go. Now here, uh, it, this has been beat up, so you don't need me to say, hey, Gronk shouldn't have been out there. You all know that if you've been following Twitter, if you read a column, you read, saw any of our TV. It's out there everywhere. Clearly, 69 yards to go, 70 yards to go. You should not have the deep tip guy in there. This is not a Hail Mary play. It's the wrong personnel group. One thing I'll say is an aside. I know Belichick's getting a lot of heat for that from a lot of people saying, Bill, fuck, Bill fucked up. You gotta, you know, Bill's got to admit it from the podium. I actually heard that and said, you don't know that um, because this is the thing. The substitutions for the personnel groups, that's not done by the head coach necessarily. They Not not only not necessarily, it's not usually done. He's not the play caller. The play caller is who sends people in and out and what grouping goes in and out. Occasionally, Bill's a, a, you know, a, a coordinator whisperer, says, hey, put this in. I don't know that it's Bill asking it because it doesn't sound very Bill to, to put in the deep tip guy from 70. That sounds like the kind of mistake he would never make. Uh, all I'm simply saying in making that point is – this very mail well have come from the, the the assistants. And it's not to say that there wasn't a mistake there. Clearly was. You should not have had the group. And you don't want to put a non-tackler back there in a situation where he's maybe potentially going to have to make a tackle. So that was clearly a screw-up. I also don't like taking Devin McCourty off the field. You got J.C. Jackson on the field. You got Jonathan Jones, I believe. You got some younger dudes. Your best tackler, then your guy that actually literally plays last man of defense for a living as a free safety, you want him on the field. I mean, you want him on the field over – any number of those guys are out there. You go to, you know, there's, 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 you can pick three or four or five guys. You'd much rather have Devin on the field instead of, uh, I'm sorry, you'd rather have Devin on the field instead of those guys. But why it would be Gronk for Dev, man, I, I, that, that just makes no sense to me. So it's clearly a screw up. It's clearly something they're going to go back and shop and never let that kind of thing happen again. But this will go down as one of the, the biggest gut punch losses as far as a regular season game in my recent memory, and it's a major fuck-up. So uh, it is what it is. But I, I, I say all that, and the, the non-execution of the play is not simply the matter of fact that Gronk's in. That is the last five yards of the 70, right? So there's a completion in the middle of the field. Uh, there's three or four other situations where the dude should have been tackled before he ever gets to Gronk. So it's not. I don't want to make this invariably in about they had the wrong group in because they had the wrong group in a touchdown scored. With that group, you still easily should have made that tackle. And that's, again, where I think the error maybe more comes in to not having more vets on the field. You need Devin McCourty out on the field. You need your best tacklers, your guys that run the best. And, and Dev is definitely one of those dudes. And it it just didn't make sense to me. You see J.C. Jackson out there. Uh, I actually, you know, we love J.C. We've been pumping him up throughout the year, even back to when I was doing the preseason games with Dan Roach on over on the, over on the radio, 98.5. Uh, and I, uh, you know... J.C. Jackson has been great ball skills guy. He's been a willing tackler. He wasn't good on the final play. So, and you have to go with the rookie a little bit, and they have to be corrected. His He was very nearly tackling that first catch uh, after Jones had missed the tackle. The, the, I think the little toss happens or whatever. J.C. was right on that thing, and his effort was D. You know, it was there was no burst. He kind of let up for a second, kind of in the moment where you feel like someone else is going to take him, so you're not going to take your shot. And I understand the hesitation a little bit because you don't want to sell out and they throw it away and then you're on the ground and the catch and run's going with someone else. But I'm saying that and I'm not buying that because he was really close, stood up, let up, thought another guy would make it, and then when the other guy didn't make it, he was gone. So that's going to be one of those haunting plays that you live with the rest of your life where I think J.C., Really had an opportunity there. And a couple other guys. I, I'm, I, I don't want to shit just on this guy. It's not as if the touchdown was his fault. But there's a lot of people throughout that play who could have done better. I think he was one that, that did jump out, that he had a couple opportunities. And then when you have to restart the engine, like, oh, no, this is happening, then you know you've you've sort of given up an opportunity prior to that. The other thing I don't love about this is a three-man rush plus a fourth. So when you know that they're just going to get it out of their hand to lateral anyway, you almost don't even have to rush the quarterback. You just have to keep him in the pocket. So in those situations, I'd much rather go with two, a two-man rush, one off the end on each side. And if you want to do the mirror thing, that can be um, – that can be uh, uh, Van Noy, who was basically doing that. You know, the mirror scramble thing is not as important. So I thought they killed an extra guy by having a fourth up there. You don't need the fourth. You need him on the back end. You need him out midfield 30, 40 yards away. As many bodies over there basically acting as a kickoff team to catch it once it happens. Because you see, because they, they used up four, uh, that means you got seven back, and one of them's a damn tight end. Uh, 
you know, you'll see Adam Butler chasing back in the frame. You'll see Van Noy chasing back in the frame. Those guys are chasing back in the frame from the downfield pass and the laterals because they were up in the line. And I, I just think the overall call here is wrong. Not just the Gronk part. I think wasting four on a play there where you're not going to need the four. There's no, you're not trying to pressure a Hail Mary and, and affect that throw. I, I just I didn't get that either. So I, I think there's a lot of mistakes there, and all this stuff is incredibly uncharacteristic. But that's why we do this show. I hope you get a clearer sense of what was all going down there. I think moving forward, it's got to be all about run stop, run stop, or they're, they've got troubles defensively. Even though they were better situationally, run stop, or there's going to be issues. Patriots offense, they just got to be better in the red zone, and they got to be better situationally, which is weird to say about them. But First and foremost, thank you all for listening to the show. That was a Real Thing Patriots podcast. I'm Matt Chatham. Talk at you again next time, hopefully next week under better circumstances. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.